Our industry absolutely must get better at providing culturally responsive care. And that's what this podcast is about. We're going to talk about health equity or social justice for health. Achieving health equity requires addressing avoidable inequities, historical and contemporary injustices, and the elimination of healthcare disparities. At Providence, we believe that action must follow promising words. That is why we listen to our patients and to community partners on their experiences receiving care and then take action. Let us keep two things in mind as we listen and learn today. Number one, the themes you hear may be common in the populations represented. And two, please remember that one person's experience is not the experience of everyone in that population. Good morning, Mohammed. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Um, I'm super excited to be chatting with you um, and, uh, you know, chat a little bit more about the role of community health workers supporting people in the community as they manage their chronic diseases or um, are looking to prevent chronic diseases. So Mohammed, can we start with us, um, with you introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your story for how you became a cultural navigator at Swedish? Good morning, Hannah. I um, appreciate the opportunity um, to share a little bit about my work. Being an, um, a refugee myself, um, <clears throat> coming into 2016 um, to this country, I have been in, in a in a um, situation where it's difficult to face all of these challenges for the like um, just uh, moving from um, a culture to a completely different culture, a completely different uh, country with the family, um, trying to settle in, trying to um, become independent, uh, trying to, fi uh, to find my um, first job, like all of these things, even just um, registering kids at school or um, um, knowing where is the clinic that I can get um, my kids to or myself. Um, so these kind of um, things were really overwhelming and challenging um, at the beginning. Some services here, I think um, people take it for granted that um, since the service is available, then it's accessible. The availability of the service is not a guarantee um, that many, many people who have um, cultural, linguistic, and, and social and economic challenges um, can access these services. So that's what attracted me to this kind of job. I love working with um, people, like realizing what makes a difference in their lives because it fulfills me and, and it makes me happy just to do this kind of work. Yeah, I really appreciate all of that context. And there's a couple of things just that I just want to dive in a little bit more based on what you talked about. You said something early on that I thought was incredibly insightful. And that was the juxtaposition or the comparison between availability and accessibility. And those two things are actually very different. Mm -hmm. And especially when we talk about healthcare services, if something's available, like the ability to receive a mammogram at a hospital, that's not necessarily accessible for particular communities for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. transportation, um, financial support, cultural norms. Um, 
And I, so I think that's just really important that I just want to highlight in this conversation is availability and accessibility are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And cultural navigators, community health workers, traditional health workers mm. are uniquely poised to support the reduction of barriers to make something more accessible. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, that's why we have underserved communities. And that's something to me. Um, it's, a, it's the action that you take when, like, um, preparing the service, when thinking about how this service can be provided to the wider communities, um, not only one specific community who are able to speak English, who understand the, the, the medical system and, and um, who understand, like, who, who are able in, in multiple ways um, to um, access the service. But how about, like, you know, these communities who might have um, certain disabilities in terms of um, that prevent them from accessing your service who might not need um, might not read um, the text that you provide in your flyer in English who might not um, you know feel culturally um, appropriate to do this and that and make a call and discuss and and uh, um, you know request or ask um, in certain cultures like asking a question, might be like uh, disrespectful in a way. And in certain cultures, like um, um, the social dynamics within the family is really challenging to make, um, to, to get the, um, a woman into the clinic or to get a kid in, into the clinic. That's, um, th that's a culture and we need to respect it, but then also we need to play on, on the way that we provide the service to be accessible to these, to, to be fit for these communities. Right. So, you know, what I hear you saying, Mohammed, is really talking about how our systems, health systems, social service systems are oftentimes built to support one type of community. And that community is oftentimes inherently privileged and has accessibility and availability kind of more on an equal playing field just by who that community is and, and what the norms are. And what you're really suggesting is developing systems that are more responsive to multiple different types of communities. And that might mean that that system needs to flex and that system needs to change. But if we're wanting to provide more equitable care, that is exactly what more equitable care is. Mm -hmm. The health system taking the leap of faith and being brave enough to say, you know what, we're going to take this mobile mammography clinic into the community. Because we know for a variety of reasons, having someone come to this hospital, this hospital that might not feel safe for a community that might be inaccessible, that doesn't work. So we want to take that to the community. Right. Um, that's really, really amazing. You know, the other thing that I just wanted to kind of round back on is, is you said, um, again, just something else really insightful. I think you said we need to be sensitive enough to respect the culture and be brave enough to start the conversation. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit how for your community, what 
that trajectory looked like to be sensitive enough to respect the culture and brave enough to start the conversation? Yeah, I think for me, um, the main thing that play a vital role in, in, in our success is that I, uh, I am a member of this community. Um, so that's why I think decentering the service, uh, the professional mindset into uh, and then shifting the narrative or flipping the narrative uh, and centering the community itself is something important. That's why I advocate always to approach communities from like organically, you know, like if you are not from within this community, no matter how how equipped you are with um, a professional background, it takes, um, there's there's a missing part. There's um, something that is not there, like the culture, the social norms, and, and like you organically knows the in and out of this community. Without this um, natural knowledge, I don't think there will be a success. Um, even if you have the best intention in the world. So that's something that I really um, encourage everyone to think of like how diverse our teams, how um, how we are naturally reflecting the communities that we are serving. I think without considering these sensitive um, topics and points, um, it's it's hard to make a change. It's hard to make a positive impact. And this, as I said, requires courage, requires like bold conversations that might not be like, um, like, like everyone might not be comfortable starting um, at, at, uh, at certain times. We've talked a little bit in some of the other interviews for this podcast about the power dynamic that typically exists between a community and a health system or an individual and the provider. And um, oftentimes that power dynamic is the provider is the one with the academic knowledge and therefore seen as the person who's controlling the conversation and telling people what to do and not necessarily yet have built the trust with that individual to be able to have conversations, one. And second, that is not a conversation that is happening in partnership and how important those conversations happening in partnership with two people on an equitable playing field, how important that is for people then um, feeling confident and comfortable to take recommendations mm-hmm. or or take take forward um, some of the suggestions that a, a provider is, is bringing. Health systems, doctor's offices, are often built on an academic white dominant system and structure that um, to the more educated that you are, the, the more power that you have, the more directional influence that you have. And what we talk a lot about with our community health workers is pushing systems to value experience in the same way that we're valuing uh, academic um, education. I hear you talking about organic conversations with community and trusting relationships built through shared lived experience. 
Can you tell me more about how you see decentering the professional mindset, a really important component to uh, bringing more equity into the way that we serve communities? Yeah, Hannah, I think um, I would start with equity. You know, um, equitable representation is a must. No matter how far we are from this concept, like we need to do it before we achieve a success. I think something that is really valuable for any community member is to have a, a presence, is to have a, a shared um, space where they feel comfortable sharing. Um, and with professional mindset, we tend to um, sometimes share more and dominate the conversation, even though we sometimes try to play the um, the active listener role, but it's inherent, you know, like I myself always consciously try to see if I am doing this or not um, while talking to community members. And I think in, in like in our community, there's a proverb, the meaning of that proverb, even like um, is saying that even if I come for a certain service, even if you don't provide me the service, the way you dealt with me matters the most. You know, like if I um, come to the um, doctor office, if I see someone who looks like me talking to me in my language, supporting the doctor or having some cultural representation that represent me, um, sharing um, a language line that um, really um, help accessibility and mutual understanding, um, being able to safely express my personal, my cultural, my social concerns is something that is really valuable. Um, usually it's, as you said, usually like um, providers tend to dominate, like one way kind of conversation is almost there. And to me, I think, especially in my community, like two-way conversation, two-way relationship, two-way, um, like, um, you know, a mutual kind of understanding is very important. It's disappointing for community members to be just, considered as passive recipient of information from providers, it's very disrespectful to them, even if they don't share because they are not able to share. And this is a kind of honest conversation that we have with community members. Sometimes they open up to us and they say, this is my experience. Like I have been to this clinic and multiple times, um, trying to, you know, uh, like share what I, but I don't feel like, you know, I am in a safe place to share this experience because I don't see that this is my space. I don't see that I really fully belong to this kind of space. So um, that's something, you know, to to be open up, to to feel safe, I think, we get back to the to the point of natural representation, natural yeah. belongingness. Yeah, we know oftentimes our 
health systems, our clinics, our doctor's offices um, have such an enormous opportunity as far as representation. We do not have enough representation in areas of care. Um, and with the representation, I hear you talking about how that representation can help to build braver spaces where mutual conversation can happen so that people are potentially feeling brave enough, trusting enough to talk about health concerns like a concern around a chronic disease or why preventive care is so important. Mm -hmm. But when we don't have the representation, when we don't have the flexibility of the systems, why would a community, why would an individual from a particular community open up in that way when history has taught us, taught them differently, potentially, right? Mm -hmm. One of the conversations that I've had a, a fair amount in my tenure in this role is how important the CHW workforce is in supporting our organization's equity goals. And one of the, the other sides of that is community health workers, cultural navigators are not enough to solve all of our representation problems, all of our equity issues. It's one really good first step, but it's not enough. Definitely. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Like a cultural navigation is, is a starting point to me. It's a journey, but then, you know, once you open the way for people to go through this direction, there will be definitely additional challenges because the system is not designed to, for them to be able to navigate and, and go through these ways. And the system, I think I always advocate for like reconsideration of requirements, of eligibility, of whatever, like, you know, reconsideration with so much, um, um, you know, a cultural consideration at the same time. So like the programs are built in a way that's like keeps away our community members who may definitely not a fit for certain requirements for certain eligibility um, like requirements. And, and that's something that we face. Like we try to help in, in several ways, but then there are certain challenges where we, um, we are ourselves as navigators sometimes get disappointed because the programs are not responsive. The programs are not allowing people um, to get equitable um, access to services. And that's something that is definitely always we um, face on a daily basis. Yeah. So what, what I hear you talking about, and again, we've talked about this a little bit for, before in some of our episodes, is that to really make a, a true impact in a lot of this work is, that, well, firstly, this is a national issue. This is, this is not um, an issue in, in just particular areas. This is a national policy issue that we have systems and structures that are built in a way that are not accessible and not available 
equitably to communities. And then that trickles down into our systems and the way that they're building programs, which in turn are also not accessible um, and, and um, available to communities. And so I, I think that's just a really important point in this conversation is that there are organizations that are being brave to try new things. Swedish and the work that you all are doing with the mobile mammography clinic, that that's amazing. But also we can't do that or talk about that without talking about this larger issue in our country that we have policies that are racist. And we have systems that are that are racist, that will continue to exclude and marginalize communities, and therefore we will not be able to achieve our equity goals. Yeah, 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 definitely. See, Hannah, uh, and and um, this is often the feedback from community members that I meet and and talk to them. Sometimes they feel like you know um, they feel disappointed because um, the way we respond to their needs is just like putting a band-aid on the on the cut or, or the wound um putting a band-aid is not um something that heals people because that cut can happen when they get to to the point where they crash to the system you know the system is ex- exclusive definitely and in in multiple ways and it's it's a uh, obvious for many people who work in in high level um or like on the ground with people, they will definitely realize that this system is not inclusive. That's something that we need to consider because we are, um, again, we are just treating the symptoms, but not, you know, the the cause of the of the problems. Thank you for that. I wanted to just spend, and I know we need to wrap up, I wanted to just spend a couple of minutes talking specifically about the mobile mammography clinic, um, because I think that's that's an example of piloting a project um, with the intention of serving a community. Um, So can you just talk to me a little bit, if if you can, about what, what all did you all do last year to build and implement this mobile mammography clinic? And then what um, what are you all looking to do in 2023? Awesome, yeah. I think it started with just basic steps or actions that we have taken to draft our flyer. That flyer, to me, like um, the process is something that I would love to see in every process. Like, you know, we try to consider, um, you know, diverse opinions, but we uh, we are doing the, our best to, you know, to change um, the way the flyer looks like for community members. When they read it, we provided it um, in, in multiple languages. We also, like, um, thought of, like, building these authentic partnerships with everyone in the community, like community-based organizations that are active on the ground, community leaders. Um, um, I myself, like I gave the flyers even to like um, at um, faith-based, faith-based places, cultural food places, 
um, um, to kids, to adults. And I started this conversation virtually, in person. I tried even to knock doors. Um, I did my best to, to actively engage, you know, our community members. And um, it has been fruitful because, you know, the more you rely on um, like multiple ways of outreach, the more you get success because one way, one size cannot fit all. So that's um, that's something that we um, try to do um, in our uh, approach. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is your outreach was flexible. So it kind of even as you were starting to think about this project and how you were building the the components of it, your outreach strategy was flexible, going mm -hmm. to multiple different places, going to the community. And also your outreach strategy, if I hear you right, is using your shared lived experience with your community, Muhammad, mm -hmm. to say, where where can I go? Where are the places that I know? that um, are meeting spaces or gathering spaces or connection spaces for these conversations. Mm -hmm. And and that I just, I wanted to pause because that's very different than a typical strategy for a health system to take when yeah. they're building or marketing a program. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I always advocate for like diversifying the ways based on um, like the the responses of your community. If you only do your outreach through your website or through your social media, and definitely you will be reaching these population who go to the website, who use their phone or their computers to check websites, or like. Um, but then you miss a population that is not considering this as a, a way of knowing. You know, um, so. Some people like get to the mosque to ask for certain um, resources or cer certain people ask the, the bakery guy, uh, what do you think about this or that? Some people um, rely on, on um, their kids to know more about like, you know, the resources because of. Um, um, so it's it's you have to be flexible. You have to change. You don't have to be formal as if. You know, when we started this conversation, we start. Uh, we said like it's not formal; it's just a conversation. So, if you only rely on these traditional ways, you definitely miss the opportunity of reaching out the underserved com com communities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and there's a value there yes. that this is not a one size fits all approach, and mm -hmm. it shouldn't be a one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a celebration. I think, and, and, and I see in your program, there's a celebration of all of those individual identities mm -hmm. and recognizing that by being flexible and engaging in different ways based on one's individual shared lived experience, that it's a more powerful connection. And again, I think that's the, the, the uniqueness and the beauty of the cultural navigator for health systems is that cultural navigators can help advocate for their community and advocate to the systems to create change, to push change. And I'm a firm believer that that should not fully be on the backs of the community health workers. There needs to be allyship from systems to support that. Mm -hmm. But it's this amazing, um, this amazing facet of a community health worker is the advocate role. 
and the educating role. And, and there's a duality there. CHWs, cultural navigators are educating the, their community as you have done around uh, the mobile mammography clinic and the importance of mammograms. And at the same time, you're educating the system on how to be more responsive, on how to be more equitable. Um, that's yeah. so unique and yeah. so crucial. And and really, I, I think you, you've mentioned something a couple of times that sometimes we take things for granted. And if there's a lesson for me in these conversations is that health systems cannot take cultural navigators, community health workers, a traditional workforce, for granted because mm -hmm. the power in change is there, right? The power is in change is if we as a system do mm -hmm. the deep listening that you're talking about to make significant changes. That's huge. It's a huge, yeah. I think it's a huge because you put all these values in action in, in like even the words that you you put on your flyer like or um so when even i remember like when we tried to to draft like the our program um page and we we talked about like limited english proficiency or like um, um people who don't speak english and we thought about it like you know is this how we want to center this population and we talked multiple ways and multiple times and and we reached to um a term that's more respectful that shows like the values of what we believe in and like we use like multi multicultural and multilingual families instead of just limited english because we don't want to center english we don't want to center um, um we want to center all of this diverse population and we want to show this these values that we believe in 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 our language in our actions and, and everything that we do trying to to be sensitive i think um it's a huge and it's it's an endless journey it's it's always need to be um like you need to be conscious you need to be um you know um able to flex and change and update yourself to be more inclusive it's never um like okay, I'm done with this. No, it's it's an endless efforts that everyone needs to practice in their workplace. Yeah. It's a constantly evolving journey. Mm -hmm. And it's the journey that health systems need to take. And CHWs are one facet of that journey. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just want to end on something that you said earlier that I think is incredibly valuable as we talk about the, the needs of the system to be flexible to support communities and how we have lofty equity goals, to be, but to be able to do that, we really need to be flexible. Mm -hmm. And we, we need to take will, the will that you're talking about, and move that into action and move that into accountable action. Because there is a lot of will, I think, in systems yeah. to make change. Mm -hmm. And a, a, to me, a highlight of that action is the work that you all are doing at Providence Swedish to reduce chronic diseases within communities and focus on preventive care within communities through the mobile mammography clinic or your work with hypertension. Mm -hmm. 
that's an action step. Definitely. And that's an action step step that's driven by diverse communities. Mm-hmm. And that that feels like such a step for us. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, um, as we talked, it's just flipping the narrative of the dominant professional mindset of, you know, um, this is our program. Here we go. Here we go. Um, it's just like that, you know, um, we need, we need to flip that narrative. We need to diversify our professional, um, professionals in, in our offices. We need to adapt and change. We need to play on the, um, you know, the way we draft our policies with the way we draft our programs. It's from, it's a, it's a, um, a, a connected, um, circles, you know, if you start um, from the foundation up, I think your um, programs, your efforts, your will, your desire to be inclusive will be definitely fruitful. If um, you just, um, you know, um, rely on your intention without being inclusive in actions, and it's hard. Um, I definitely uh, think that it's hard actions are really different from our intentions because um like we often have challenges in these actions you know um but i i think it's it's worth it and 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 it's doable if we all work as a team you know the team spirit in this work is really um important also because no uh no one can do this kind of work alone we need to avoid this kind of method of working in silos into partnership, mm-hmm. into a team effort, into collaboration, into partnerships. These are really important um, um, ways and methods to, to, to achieve success. Mohammed, thank you so very much. Um, it has been a pleasure to uh, chat with you today and really learn from you today. Mm-hmm. There was so much you said here that I just want to unpack for hours and hours and hours. But um, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you for continuing to advocate and teach our systems to do things differently. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity um, to be here and share. It's, um, it's It's valuable for me, like having the opportunity and being invited, I really appreciate your efforts in all of um, doing all of this. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining us as we explore the CHW role. Next up, we will be hearing from Maria and Sonia, two CHWs that work in Eastern Washington. They share their perspective on the beauty of the relationships developed between CHWs and their neighbors. Thanks for listening. Let us all stand together, recognizing action must follow promising words.
Thank you all for joining us as we explore the CHW role. Next up, we will be hearing from Maria and Sonia, two CHWs that work in Eastern Washington. They share their perspective on the beauty of the relationships developed between CHWs and their neighbors.